The following is a production of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life. Welcome to It's Your Life. My name is Joyce Wheeler and I'm your host. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019. And today I'm here with Lee Carey. She is a sexual communication coach who helps women learn to communicate about sex so they can get what they really want in the bedroom rather than just accepting what they're giving. She is the creator and host of the podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. Sexual freedom is a subject that is deeply personal to Leah because she spent most of her life being a very good girl. Most of the sex she had was either boring or painful, but she endured it because she wanted the cuddling that happened after her. Having taken her own journey to sexual freedom, she is now passionate about breaking the silence, fear, and shame around women's sexuality and pleasure, and redefining what it means to be a good girl. You can find Leah online at leahcarry.com, along with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at I Am Leah Carey. Her podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex, is available on all major podcast platforms. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to talk with you today. And I'm thrilled to talk with you. And um, when I saw what you posted on Facebook, I thought, oh my gosh, sexual communication, how much natural can you get? <laughs> exactly. It, one would hope that it would be the most natural thing in the world. Right. And yet it is absolutely the opposite. It's so scary for most people. Well, and especially for women, you know, we feel like we're not supposed to say anything. Yeah, I think that it it actually goes both ways. Um, women are taught um, that we're supposed to just sort of allow ourselves to um, take whatever we're given and be happy about it and not ask for too much and not be too difficult. On the flip side, people who were brought up with masculine culture are taught that they're just supposed to know what to do. And they're not supposed to have to ask any questions. And they're supposed to just be excellent lovers with no information whatsoever. So really, nobody got the good end <laughs> on that particular cultural narrative. Males and females are equally disadvantaged when it comes to learning how to communicate about sex. And not only that, but it, it seems like it's almost a voodoo thing. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's such a taboo. I mean, I hear so many people say to me, well, I'm just supposed to know, you know, like I'm just supposed to be able to figure out based on the sounds that my partner is making what they like. And I'm, if I have to ask, then that's going to break the mood. When in reality, a lot of us, again, are afraid to make noise. <laughs> so the sounds that we make may or may not be an indicator of actual pleasure. If we're not making noise, that means we're giving no information. And some people make noise in a sort of performative way because they think they're supposed to make noise. So they will moan and groan and writhe just because they think they're supposed to rather than because they're having pleasure. We were talking about taboos. Well, on the sexual communication and how the moaning and groaning, some people think that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then People just think I'm supposed to know. Um, and it gives rise to things like, you know, the cover of Cosmo magazine, it seems like every month or two has a headline of like five great things to make your man crazy in bed 
which is problematic because not every body, not every physical body responds in the same way. And so when there are those articles that are saying, here's something that's going to drive your guy crazy, it's totally bypassing the fact that some people are not going to respond to that at all. And that then leaves us feeling like failures because, oh, I did this thing and it was supposed to drive my partner crazy and it didn't. So clearly I'm the one who is wrong rather than understanding that every physical body is different and every physical body responds differently to sexual stimulus. And so only way to know what your partner's body is going to respond to is to ask them and to be hopefully comfortable enough with your partner to have an actual conversation about what each of you wants and desires, what each of your boundaries are, the things that you're not okay with. Those are such important conversations that very few people are having. So when should these conversations occur during sex or just, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this? Well, they should happen at whatever point you're able to have them. I mean, that's sort of the basic answer that when you are ready and able to have them, have them. If we're talking about an ideal scenario, I would always say that these conversations are best to happen outside the bedroom because when you're, when, or, you know, outside a sexual situation, because maybe your sexual situation is in the kitchen, but you know, <laughs> like, um, it, they should happen preferably when your clothes are on, when you're not in the middle of a hot and heavy makeout session, because there are all sorts of hormones and pheromones and crazy feelings that start happening and coming up in you. And it's really hard to have a rational conversation when you're in what we would call sex brain, which is that state when all of your chemicals and all of your stuff is just all, you know, running through your body and making you feel like you're in love with this person who you've only known for 20 minutes or whatever. So having that conversation at a time that is completely outside of the sexual situation is going to put you in a better place to have a conversation where you're actually standing up for your needs and desires rather than just saying, oh, I want this. I want this right now. And so I'm going to say whatever I have to say in order to keep this experience going. It's a really important dynamic that happens to recognize when we're actually in the midst of a sexual situation. So you're talking about communicating and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've, I've met this person, you know, and I'm thinking about that, you know, later on, he's going to come back to my place. We're going to do some fooling around. I'm just wondering, how does that conversation look when you're like in a situation like that? Yeah, sure. So something that has been developed and that I'm a huge advocate of is called the STARS Talk. And it's S-T-A-R-S. It's an acronym that stands for five things that you ideally should talk about with a potential sexual partner. And if you've covered these five things, you have really built a fantastic base for having a great communicative 
connected and consensual sexual experience. Whether this is someone who you're having a one night stand with or someone who you think may be your partner for the rest of your life, it doesn't matter. What matters is that in each and every sexual experience, you feel like you've really been seen and heard. So this conversation format was developed by Dr. Eveline Dacker. She's a friend and colleague of mine here in Portland, Oregon. And the five pieces of the conversation are discussing your STI status. So basically, you know, if you have any sexually transmitted infections, if you've had any in the past, how you've treated them and what your current protocols are, if you're still dealing with them, your turn-ons, the things that you choose to avoid or are your boundaries, your relationship intentions or expectations. And this is the great place. Like if you're out on a date with somebody and thinking, I just, I really like this person enough to have a one night stand, but I know they're not my cup of tea. It's entirely okay in this moment to say, you know, I really want to fool around with you tonight and, and I'd be okay with getting down, but I need you to know that this is probably just a one night thing. Are you okay with that? And if the other person is thinking, oh man, I was really seeing something like I'm so into this person and I was wanting more than that, you have an opportunity to, to decide right there at the beginning if those mismatched expectations are something that can be negotiated or not so that one person doesn't go home and become devastated when they realize, oh, I just had sex with somebody who was not interested in anything more than one night. And then the final S in that is your, your safer sex protocols. So, you know, do you, it includes obvious things like, do you use condoms? Are you on birth control? That conversation, but also what do I need in order to feel safe when I'm having sex with a new person? Do I need to know that I have my own transportation available? Do I need to know that my phone is within, you know, arm's length distance? What are the things, do I need to know that either there's nobody around so I can make as much noise as I want without feeling uh, self-conscious? Or do I need to know that there are other people around so that if I start to feel unsafe, I can yell and know that somebody will hear me? So those are all really important considerations. And if you've covered those five topics of conversation, you're in an amazing space to have a really great consensual experience. It may sound really scary and overwhelming to consider having this conversation with someone you barely know, but if you are considering taking your clothes off with somebody you barely know, I would suggest that having this conversation is actually something that can help save you a lot of heartbreak and concern later when you realize, oh my God, I have no idea if I need to go get tested for STIs because I didn't ask what this person's health status is. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like thinking to myself from my past experiences with males that were one, one night stands. And I don't think I would have ever gotten into that conversation. And I think I would have been fearful of having that conversation, fearful that I would scare them away. Mm -hmm. because I think men are a little bit different than us. You know, for them, they think of sex as just like a thing. It's a, like, oh, no, I'm, we're not going to talk about this. I just want to get off and go. So my experience has been that 
anybody who I have brought this conversation up with, I've actually never yet had a bad experience with somebody saying, oh, this is too much. I don't want to talk about this. My experience has been that people are actually incredibly grateful that someone is willing to open the conversation because we all actually want to talk about it. Sex is like this great big topic that people are just like wanting to talk about, but feel like they don't have permission to talk about it. And so when I open the conversation and say, you know, I'm interested in you, and here's some stuff that I need to make sure, you know, for my own safety and well-being, I need to make sure that we talk about these things before we go any further. The reception has been overwhelmingly positive. On the other hand, if I were to meet somebody who had a negative response, that would be a clear indication to me that if I don't feel safe talking with you, I don't feel safe sharing my body with you. That makes sense. And now I'm wondering about the age bracket. Would, say, a conversation like that with somebody in their late teens, early 20s, be as positive as for somebody who's more mature? It's a great question. I think that, again, if somebody feels like they are mature enough to start having sex, they are mature enough to start talking about sex. We, in this in this Western culture, we have this thing in our schools that we call sex education. Well, some schools, not even every school has it anymore. But this thing that we call sex education is not. It is disease prevention and pregnancy prevention education. There is basically in most school programs, absolutely no discussion of pleasure, of what of what it means like there are so many people who think that the the primary purpose of sex is for the male partner uh, in a heterosexual interaction the the primary purpose of sex is for the male to ejaculate and if the female gets some pleasure that's great but that's not really the point because in sex education they actually talk about male ejaculation they almost never talk about female pleasure. So for teenagers, this conversation is actually so important. If they're going to start having sex, we need to start educating them on how to have this conversation so that, because I mean, I think about my, and I started um, having sex much later. I was a very late bloomer. I didn't have my first sex, uh, you know, like intercourse experience until I was 25. But I was having sexual experiences, you know, other types of of sexual play earlier than that. And I had no information. I had no idea that my pleasure was even something that was supposed to be a consideration. So teaching kids about these conversations earlier means that they're going to be having more, that the experiences they have will be more consensual and hopefully more positive. I know so many people, so many of my female friends who talk about their teenage experiences as being either abusive or just, you know, a hair above abusive. Not necessarily because they were with bad partners, but because nobody knew what they were doing. 
And there's all this fear around, well, if we talk to kids about having sex, then they'll start having sex. We actually know that that's not true. There are studies that show that the more sex education there is, the better outcomes there are in terms of lower STI rates and lower teenage pregnancy. We have sort of the control group in, oh, I always get confused between Netherlands and Norway. (laughs) But uh, I really have to get my my place names better. But um, they have really robust sex education beginning with their kids at four and five years old. Now, they're not talking to those kids about like super sexual topics. They're talking to four and five-year-olds about consent and about how your body is your body and nobody's allowed to touch it and what feels good and what doesn't feel good. They're, they're talking about it in very age-appropriate ways, but it's part of their education system from very young So that by the time they're teenagers, when they bring actual sex and sexual pleasure into the conversation, these kids have a like a scaffolding to place those conversations on and understand them. And what we see is that their results are significantly better than what we have in other parts of the Western Hemisphere. Well, I think speaking to kids about sex is important anyway because these days we have so many adults abusing children sexually. Mm-hmm. I, I know I talk to my kids at, at an early age, like what you're talking about, just about what's good touch and what's bad touch. And like, yeah. like you said, let them know this is your body. These parts are you know, basically off limits. And another thing I see is adults forcing children to hug or kiss somebody that they, that they don't want to. Yes. And that yeah. was something my daughter was always very physical, very loving, hugging, kissing. My middle child was not. So she would grab him and hug him and he would push her away and she would, you know, kind of like be forcing him. And I told her, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that and I allow that to happen, we're sending him a message that it's okay for somebody to force their physical emotions on them. Exactly. And, and that's not true. So yeah. I see I see it is important of talking to kids about sex, not just so that they can have a better, more positive sexual experience later on in their life, but also for their own protection. Now, of course, in other countries, I don't know if what happens here in the States with adults abusing, sexually abusing young children, if that happens in other countries. I'm sure it does, but it, the rate might not be as high. I don't know. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. This concept of not forcing children to hug or kiss people who they don't want to is so important. It's teaching them bodily autonomy. It's teaching them that they are allowed to say what works for their body and what doesn't. And it's okay for them to trust their instincts about who's okay and who's not. I also think it's important to not make that the only conversation you have with your kids about their bodies, because if that's the only conversation they get, then that could lead them to feeling fear. Like if the only conversation they get is, it's not okay for people to touch your body in this way, then that can lead to this fearful well, maybe it's not okay for anybody to touch my body. Like the only knowledge they have around sex is fear-based. 
then that can lead to some real confusion later when they start feeling pleasure and not knowing what context to put that into. That makes sense. So let's talk about when you're actually in a relationship. You know, what does that communication look like? For like somebody who just has that uh uh-uh moment, or they're going, you know what, I, I love my husband, I love my wife, but you know, there's something sexually in our relationship that's missing, and I'm not sure how to communicate that with her or him. So what yeah. does that look like? Yeah, so this is, I, I have a lot of clients who come to me in exactly this position. Like we've, we are long-term partners, we're really happy in lots of other ways, but there's something that's just not working in the bedroom and I don't know how to address it because I don't want to freak my partner out or get them angry or, you know, it's been going on so long, I just don't know how to address it. The first thing that I ask people to do is to tell me, so what is it that you really want? What are your turn-ons and what are your turn-offs? And the vast majority of people answer, I don't actually know. So they're wanting something to be better, but they don't actually know what better looks like. They don't actually know, like they haven't, and this is very common in this culture, that we we sort of learn through figuring out what we don't want. <laughs> and that's super valuable. <laughs> so okay, what you've learned so far in your sexual interactions is what you don't want. Great. Now let's put some focus on what you do want so that you can, instead of going to your partner and saying, this isn't working, it needs to be better. You can go to your partner and say, here's something I'd like to try. Like presenting them with a solution rather than a problem is always going to be a more effective way of handling an issue. So really spend some time with yourself thinking about, and you know, here are some specific suggestions about how to figure this out. Because again, this is not something that we've been taught to spend a lot of time paying attention to. What are some of the things that really turn you on when you read them in books? What are some things that turn you on when you see them in movies? What are the things that you fantasize about, especially when you're masturbating? That's really useful information, but not every um, person who's in a long-term relationship chooses to masturbate. So if it's, you know, what is it that you fantasize about while you're actually having sex with your partner or just at other times? What are your fantasies? And all of those things are bits of information that will point you toward, these are some things that the idea of them really turns me on. There are some great sites like Literotica, L-I-T-E-R-O-T-I-C-A, is a site that where lots and lots and lots of people <laughs> write erotic stories and then post them online. And you can go onto their site. You have to confirm that you're over 18. And then you go to their site and there's a list of topics. And you can read stories inside certain topics. and. I highly suggest that people go there and just start doing a little reading and finding out what gets your juices flowing. Because again, knowing what you want to try is a great way to start the conversation. I would suggest that any conversation that starts with, hey honey, there's something that I wanna try. Here's something new that I want us to do together. 
is going to be something that is at least intriguing to your partner. Now, there are certainly people have certain limits. If you suggest to your partner that you want to go full speed into Fifty Shades of Grey kind of BDSM, you may get a negative response from your partner because you may have been thinking about it for a while and they've only heard about it 10 seconds ago and their first response is, oh my God, that's way too much for me. So it's important to recognize that your partner may need a little time to sort of hear the idea and process the idea and see how it fits for them and then come back to it. So an initial rejection is, or initial no is not necessarily a full hardcore rejection. It may just be that your partner needs a little time. But this conversation of here's something I want to try is a place to open conversation with your partner. That's interesting about that website. I never knew that there was anything out there that was like that. Yeah, it's a great website. I mean, not all of the writing on it is good, but but there's so much of it that I'm sure that you'll find something that resonates with you. Maybe it's the writing, but maybe it's just the idea. And, you know, I also have found in my own explorations that I've been with my partner for almost a year. And he and I have been, he's a great person in terms of like exploring new things. We, we have a really fun relationship in that way. So with my current partner, he's really up for any time I come to him and I'm like, here's something I want to try. <laughs> he's really great about that. He's adventurous and fun as well. And so we get to have a really great time together. There are times when I'll present something to him. And he'll be like, hmm, I'm not sure I'm down with that. And the most loving, caring response, uh, this is something that I that was taught to me. I certainly didn't come up with this, but it's something that I'm, I now teach to others because I think it's so incredibly powerful. If I say to him, you know, here's something that I'm interested in trying, and he says, hmm, I'm not sure I'm down for that. My response to him is, okay, thank you for taking care of yourself. Oh, that's so sweet. Right? That takes all of the pressure off of the situation because it helps him to know that I am a safe person, that he can say no to when he needs to, which means that he's also welcome to say yes when he is ready. It also reminds me that this is not about him rejecting me. This is about him taking care of his own needs, just like I want him to respect me taking care of my needs. All of that is so important. We want to be able to trust our partner. We want our partner to believe that we are a safe and trustworthy person. Incorporating this phrase, thank you for taking care of yourself, into your communication is such a beautiful way to demonstrate that to your partner. We'll be right back with Joyce Wheeler and It's Your Life. Bring out your heavenly body with Heavenly Body skincare products. Heavenly Body's products are created to feed and nourish the skin. They formulate their products in small batches for both quality and freshness. 
Heavenly Bodies products are cruelty-free, contain certified organic ingredients, and are cost-effective. To bring out the Heavenly Body in you, visit their website at hborganicskincare.com. We're back with Joyce Wheeler, and it's your life. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking, my husband and I have been married for 13 years. We've never had conversations like that, but I'm thinking to myself, and I'm going, huh, you know, this might be interesting just to kind of like give things a different twist and be like, hey, you know, what about this? Yeah. (laughs) You know, make things a little bit more interesting instead of like the same old, same old. Not that the same old, same old is bad, but just to, you know, so even couples who are in long-term relationships and the sex is good, why not amp it up a little bit and give something else a try? Absolutely. And one of the other things that I've discovered is that, again, with my partner, he and I have done some exploration in some light dominant submissive territory. Uh, I am not at all interested um, personally in the sort of hardcore BDSM, but I do find myself because I'm sort of a type A take charge person in my day-to-day life. When I get into the bedroom, there is a tendency for me to want my partner to be the assertive aggressor, to take charge, to sort of create the experience for me. So we have played around with that. And what I've discovered is that there are some things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thought he turned the microphone down. <laughs> oh, you hear me on the phone. Okay. The, the, the audience the audience didn't hear that. The thing is, is while you while you were talking, we were kind of like playing around with this idea that you were talking about. <laughs> We were like acting oh, things out between I us. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were getting a little crazy over here behind the, behind the scenes. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was making us pretty happy too. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it. Even though he had the mic turned down, you were hearing me through the phone. So when I said that yeah. and you, you responded to it, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll take your cue. Where do you want? Where do you want to go from here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I was so busy playing around. <laughs> so, so when my partner and I play with some of this submit, uh, submissive and dominant energetic dynamic between us, there are times when I'm super turned on by it, and there are other times when we get to a point, and I'm like, mm, you know what? this was better off in my fantasy life. I don't actually want to play this out in real life. And so then that's, that is good information that not everything we fantasize about is actually going to end up becoming part of our sexual repertoire, but that is still fun stuff that he and I can talk about as like part of our dirty talk as are the ways that we tease each other. But we both know sort of here's the line between talking and doing, and that's a line on this particular activity that we're not going to cross. Leah, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned masturbation. 
Is that not one way for especially women to experiment to find out what feels good for them? Yeah, I think masturbation is super important and not everybody enjoys it. So, you know, if you are a person who just really is not into it, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. If you are somebody who does enjoy masturbation or is considering trying it, I think it's a great way to experiment with finding out different things that your body responds to. It is it can be a sticking point in some relationships. People who are in long-term relationships sometimes have this idea that masturbation is cheating. Like you should have all of your sexual energy focused on me. And if you spend some of that sexual energy on yourself, then that's cheating me out of it. If that works for you in your relationship, okay, I would suggest that any time that a person spends exploring their own body is giving themselves more information about what they enjoy and what works for them. And you will only benefit from that. Well, I think I I just want to interject one thing here, too. I also think that if you're in a long term, especially relationship, and you are masturbating, that a partner might get the wrong message that I'm not enough for you. So this is a great thing to talk about with your partner. Again, part of the reason that this happens is because people don't talk about it. Right. So it is entirely possible to have a conversation with your partner in which you in which you make agreements about what's going to work for the two of you. And if you feel like you need to masturbate and your partner feels like that's not, you know, that makes me feel some way, then that is something that the two of you can talk about. And that having that conversation out in the open is yes, going to be incredibly scary at the beginning, but it actually opens up the lines of communication in a way that can help you both to feel more fulfilled. Like if your partner says to you, I'm afraid that means that I'm not enough for you, that gives you the opportunity to say, I love our sex life. And there are times when I get hot when you're not around. And so I masturbate thinking about us together. And that's really exciting for me. Or it gives you the opportunity to say, I kind of fantasize about some things that we're not doing right now. And it's not that you're not enough, but would you be open to trying some of these things? You know, it opens up whole vistas of conversation that can't happen if you're both too afraid to talk about it. Right. I actually, on the podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex, there's an episode with a woman named Jenna. And all of my episodes are titled by the name of the interview. So you can just go in and look for Jenna. And she she's in a lesbian relationship and she's been working through some old sexual trauma history. And one of the things she told me is that her partner actively encourages her to masturbate because she says, you know, the more that you work this stuff out with your own body, the more you're going to be ready and willing for me. And so that like that makes things better better for me is if you, you know, if you go and you spend some time with your own body. 
I love that way of thinking about it. And I yeah, think that I that's too. really healthy. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's it's respectful. Yes. I mean, this conversation, respect has a lot to do with it. This this conversation about, I don't want you to have sexual experiences with your own body. It is troublesome in that this is my body. You get to touch it because I'm inviting you to touch it. But that doesn't mean that you have control over my body. That doesn't mean that you own my body. You are allowed in my space because I have invited you into my space. I am still the arbiter of what gets to go on here. Just like you are the arbiter of what gets to go on in your body space and you have invited me in. But I don't get to have control over what you do unless we make a specific agreement about that. All right. That's that's really good. That, make, that makes so much sense. And I think a lot of people don't think about it that way, that, you know, I'm giving you an invitation. Yeah. It's, it's still my body. I still have this control. And if I want to go masturbate, I'm going to. <laughs> right. <laughs> nothing against you, nothing personal, but I just enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, make it part of your dirty talk. I mean, my partner loves to hear about when I masturbate. It's just like it's something that turns him on. And that can be true for a lot of people. It can be part of your sexual play and sexual talk with your partner. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine what's going to happen after we all get off the phone. (laughs) That happened before. (laughs) What's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of editing. Uh, he's sitting here making motions and making me laugh, <laughs> which is actually one of the reasons that I love him so much is because he has this excellent sense of humor, but sometimes it's just not at the right time. <laughs> well, you know, anything can be for foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Now I forgot what I was going to ask her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Maybe we should leave some of this in. <laughs> And I totally forgot what I was going to ask her. Thank you, dear. <laughs> for this help? <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! No, you totally threw good me off track. Good thing we're not on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> <Good thing> we- <laughs> yeah, good thing this is a video. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it would have made it more entertaining. <laughs> So they could have actually seen what we were doing. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll leave it up to their imagination. They could just imagine what we might have been doing here. Yeah, we can always use pictures. Yeah, we can use pictures. <laughs> this is true because YouTube, I put together a slideshow. So, um, use a yeah, doll right. like the police do. Use a what? Use a little doll like the police do. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, you totally threw me off as to what I was going to ask her about. Well, we've got 24 hours left. We've got 24 hours left. <laughs> <laughs> what was what were you just talking about? Because he even threw that from my mind when he started about making that. He was pretending like he was filming. <laughs> 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 well, you know, maybe maybe some people want to watch. Maybe that's what gets them excited. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, if that's your thing, that's great. And find a partner who's into your thing with you. That's awesome. 
I can guarantee you that no matter what your thing is, no matter what your turn on is, there is somebody who wants to do that thing with you. There is nothing that is so weird or so perverted or so anything that there aren't other people out there who want to do it with you. Right. And I think as long as it's between two consenting adults. Yes. Adults, consenting adults. I want to emphasize that. Emphasize the consenting adult part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, it's really important that you are with somebody who is of a similar maturity level. Um, no, definitely. Who's above the age of consent and that you have had good, clear communication about what you're going to do. I think that's totally important. And that's something people don't do. And it's something I've never done. Again, I'm yeah. married 13 years. And we've never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was talking earlier about the STARS conversation. And if people want to hear a great example of a STARS conversation, go over to Good Girls Talk About Sex and episode, there. I did a special episode that is Evelyn Dacker, the person who came up with this, explaining STARS, and then me and a friend of mine doing a sample STARS conversation. So you can hear it from beginning to end. You can hear what negotiation sounds like. You can hear what it sounds like to really lay all your cards out on the table and then say to your partner or to your potential partner, so how does that sound for you? How does that work for you? How are we going to do this together? It's, It's a great way to sort of learn the form is to hear other people do it. So in which podcast would that be? Um, it's Good Girls Talk About Sex, which is my podcast, and it's episode 8A. So it's a, it's a bonus episode. Okay. Now, where could they find these episodes that you talked about? Um, so Good Girls Talk About Sex is on all of the major podcasting platforms, um, iTunes, Spotify, etc. And you can also hear them at my website, which is Leah Carey, L-E-A-H, C-A-R-E-Y.com and just click on podcasts. So is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about? Well, I guess your podcast is all about natural living. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that we have gotten to this place where we think that talking about sex is unnatural. Right. I would suggest that it's exactly the opposite. Sex is sort of the most natural primal urge that we have aside from eating and sleeping and pooping (laughs) you know like sex is pretty basic and that anything we can do to make sure that our sex is healthy and fulfilling and connected is going to and again that can be a one-night stand or a 30-year relationship connected sex is still, I think, a primary goal for most people. The way to have that is to get comfortable with the idea of really communicating with your partner about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Do you think these conversations could, would possibly help to save some marriages? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And something that I hear from people is I'm afraid to have this conversation because I'm afraid that we might find up that find out that we're so incompatible that it will just blow up our marriage. My experience thus far with clients in the coaching work that I do is that that's generally not 
the outcome that generally when one partner opens the conversation, the other partner is excited to have the conversation open. Even if it's nerve wracking, even if both of them are a little scared about what's going to happen and how it's going to go. And I don't know if it's okay to talk about this. And I tend to work with a lot of exercises to give people exercises that they can do with their partner so that they're experiencing things that help them to open the conversations. And in general, those go over really well because again, it's saying to your partner, hey, honey, there's something I want to try. Are you willing to, to do this with me? When you talk about exercises, what kind of exercises are you talking about? Sure. So probably my favorite exercise is one that was developed by Betty Martin, who has developed something called the Wheel of Consent, which is just fascinating material. And you could go down a rabbit hole for days on her website because she has so much information about it. But she also developed this incredibly simple exercise that helps to really get couples back in touch with each other. And it's called the three-minute game. So literally, there are four parts to it. Each is three minutes, which means that you can have this incredible experience with your partner in 12 minutes, which is kind of amazing. So there are basically two questions. How do you want me to touch you? And how do you want to touch me? And, you know, let's say that there's two general neutral names. There's Chris and there's Dana. And Chris lies down and says to Dana, how do you want to touch me? And for three minutes, Dana gets to touch Chris in absolutely any way that they desire. Within boundaries, like if Chris has said, I don't want you to touch this part of my body then Dana respects that. But but Dana gets carte blanche to explore Chris's body in any way that they desire, purely for the enjoyment of touching. So often we get caught up in this idea that our touch is supposed to do something for or to the other person that we lose track of. I just want to touch you because I enjoy the feel of your skin. I want to touch you because I enjoy seeing this response from you or whatever. So for three minutes, Dana gets to touch Chris in whatever way Dana desires. And then Dana says to Chris, now for three minutes, how do you want me to touch you? So Chris then gets to say, I want you to rub your hands down my back and you know give me some feather light touch on my arms and my legs and you know whatever it is that chris deeply desires whatever kind of touch would be nourishing and enjoyable for chris so now dana is giving that touch to chris for chris's pleasure and chris has the opportunity to fully relax into the enjoyment knowing that they don't have to perform pleasure for Dana. They don't have to, you know, moan and writhe and do any of those things so that Dana will know that they're doing it right or whatever. Chris gets to just experience it and have a fully authentic experience. And then they switch places. 
And Chris is the person touching and Dana is the person receiving touch and the same two questions. How do you want to touch me and how do you want me to touch you? The whole thing can happen in 12 minutes and it is a profoundly connecting experience. There are some things that are really challenging. Most people are not used to giving really specific instructions to their partner about what they want. And that can be really challenging for a lot of people, but it's an excellent exercise to practice. On the flip side, most people are not used to receiving instructions and following them to the letter. And that is also an excellent exercise to learn how to do exactly what your partner asks for, nothing more and nothing less. And it's an exercise that doesn't have to just happen once. It can happen in an ongoing way over time as you, it's a great way to learn about what your partner really enjoys. Take notes, you know, like this is what they asked for. So this is something they clearly enjoy. It's a great way to learn your partner's body. That's really a great exercise, Leah. I I like that and the communication and the sensitivity for each person. I think that's, that's something that's really beautiful. Well, I hope that you and your husband will try it. (laughs) I think we need to have a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of just all these motions that have been going on over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you try it, I hope you'll report back and let us know how it went. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we're coming up to the top of the hour. It's, you know, what else do you want to share with our audience? How can they get in touch with you? Sure. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I know that sex is both a titillating and a frightening subject for a lot of people. So I always appreciate it when others are willing to engage in this conversation with me. And I hope that that listeners will come listen to the podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. The format of the show is that each episode I interview a woman about her sex life, about what she experienced as a child, how she encountered, when I say experienced as a child, I mean, what did she learn in her childhood home about sex from the people who were raising her? And what, what were her first sexual experiences? And what is she doing in her sex life now? And then at the end, I always ask five questions, like rapid fire Q&A, they're the kinds of questions that we don't that we all wonder about each other, but we don't ever actually ask each other. Things like sex while you have your period, or do you have hair down there, or are you, do you shave, or you know those kinds of things that we all wonder, but, but we don't ask in polite company. So please come listen to the podcast, and you can find me online at Leah Carey L E A H C A R E Y dot com. Thank you, Leah, so much for being with me. Oh, you, thank you so much. It's, it's been, been quite an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> an enjoyable one. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> You've been listening to It's Your Life. I've been your host, Joyce Wheeler, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of the day, no matter where you are. This has been a production of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life. <laughs>